Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, big episode here. Jesse James from the Dangerous Info Podcast and Sandy join us, both based out of Michigan, and we talk all things Michigan and national elections and a variety of other things. We cover the Crumbly case and some of the new happenings with that that have changed the entire landscape, as it turns out. Uh, We talk about the recent St. Louis false flag that took place the other day, and we talk Michigan politics also and provide some tips of what we think is kind of important regarding the upcoming election and how to cover your bases with the best information. And make sure and check the description below also because Jesse James provides an excellent website where you can look up your own ballot in your own state and, again, do your own homework and go over it with a fine-tooth comb to make sure that you're not being tricked on some of the verbiage that exists within these ballots. And you might hear a little bit of popping going on from time to time regarding the audio, certainly halfway through and toward the end. But don't think for a second that it's on your end or that it's some audio problem with with what you're listening to. That's certainly not it. Okay. Well, there you have it. With all that said, ladies and gentlemen, give this a listen again, share it where you can, and I'll catch you on Friday. Take care. After yesterday, with all of the counts that came down and... I was I was absolutely floored and seeing it from every different side reported from every different media source. Usually you do not get, you know, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. They're never even going to be projecting the same push. And the crazy thing is they're all saying the exact same thing. So with the 24 felony counts yesterday, so for murder and then plus a terrorism charge. Amazingly enough, what the statement that was read, did you guys um, watch the video and see the statements that were read? No, I did. So it came directly from the Oakland County Prosecutor's Office. They threw Oxford School District and all of the administration completely straight under the bus. And um, so who specifically did that? He was the assistant prosecuting attorney sitting sidebar or sitting side to Karen McDonald. He read it and Ethan Crumbly confirmed. It was Mark Marquise, I believe. Wow. Marquise. So the prosecuting yeah, uh, so the prosecuting attorneys accepted Crumbly's guilty plea and then blamed the administration. Yes, and the crazy part, we're just talking about this, Jesse, not too long ago, remember? Mm-hmm. They declined Attorney General Nussel's, I don't even know how many times she offered to do the investigation. And Axer declined it, declined it, declined it, and now we are seeing, I don't know, are these the sacrificial lambs? Right. And I just saw, um, I just saw here that they've pushed the parents' trial back to January. See, I think this sets it up for the charges to be completely dropped. Exactly. Yep. Again, in uh, my in, in my opinion, it was Ethan's fault. I don't. I, I really don't. I mean, Sandy, you might have some more details than I do, but you know, just from a broad standpoint here, and then I'll let you go. Is that uh, I basically saw this entire thing as a giant infringement 
on what they had planned for endless parents down the line regarding any crime that their child commits. And I brought up, of course, numerous examples, and we've probably talked about it in the past, but it just seemed very bizarre. I'm not saying they're the greatest parents on, on the face of the planet, but they didn't pull the trigger. So, yeah, that's that's my two cents, but go ahead. Absolute truth. And the crazy thing is, earlier today, I had said the name, like Orlando Harris. Nobody even knows who that is. And he was actually the one that killed two people, injured people yesterday in, at the, in the St. Louis massacre. Yep. The crazy thing is, Jess, you were right here. We watched this whole crazy thing just descend upon Oxford. And within two hours, even though he was a minor, Ethan Crumbly's name was out there. There were pictures of him, his family, his mom, his dad. Everything was out there about him in the matter of a moment. But yet, Orlando Harris, there is one stock photo. One. That's it. Nothing about his family. Can't find anything. And that was from yesterday. Yeah, well, you got to remember, Sandy, this, that, that story right there of Orlando Harris doesn't, you know, it doesn't take the media's uh, narrative. You know, he, he, he's a black guy um, with an AR-15. All right, the media doesn't want to talk about that. They want a white guy that does this stuff. So it doesn't fit the media narrative. I mean, we all know this by now. We've been around black quite a bit, you know. So we know how the media likes to play things. And, and that story in particular, the Orlando Harris thing, doesn't fit their narrative. Just like what happens in Detroit every night. I mean, we're here in Detroit, Sherry, or, uh, uh, Sandy, we, we see this stuff every night. It's on local right. news, but you know what? No no Black Lives Matter show up for that. Look at Chicago. 50-some people every weekend are getting shot. No Black Lives Matter show up. So those do not fit the media narrative. This right here, well, it, it ticks all the right boxes, and it gets the media to push what they want to do, you know, so they well, can turn this into a big gun grab nationwide. So it's very and going along with that, one of the questions that came up earlier was, I don't understand the terrorism charge. Remember how we kept talking about that? Don't yeah, understand don't the terrorism charge, right? Do you mm -hmm. know? Do you understand? Now I get it. The terrorism charge that Ethan Crumley pled guilty to allows for 1,800 witnesses to take the stand against him. Every single person that was impacted by the Oxford school shooting on November 30th, 2021, because of his plea or his plea with the guilty of the terrorism charge in February, this is going to be the craziest thing ever. 1800 invitations are going out to people to testify and make their statements known against Ethan Crumley. The crazy thing is parents trial starts January 23rd. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, I think I think the crumbly thing regarding Ethan is clearly being done to not only draw it all out, but create more monetary victims. Because as we, as the three of us brought up, and you, of course, brought this to my attention, all of those, um, I don't want to call them grants, but all of that uh, filtering out of money that was taking place and the siphoning of money and how it was all, you know, first on GoFundMe pages and then it turned into this other giant conglomerate that got a hold of all of it. Um, and then they, of course, pushed the money out to different people who were claiming to be victims and they had to fill out forms that claimed that they were victims and all this other stuff. All this is going to do for those parents now and all these 1,000 plus people, if they, if they choose to show up and talk, is they're going to want some money. 
Well, you're talking about the National Compassion Fund. Yeah, you know that's that, exactly. that, that seems like uh, like taxpayer funded money. I, I believe that's you know, and they took that all over. Now, remember all the local stuff that we had going on here, Sandy. The uh, you know some friends of ours were actually uh, leading the charge on on collecting money for this. Uh, they raised the hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it yeah, was taken really, out of their control. Yeah, some really good friends of ours did that. Friends that we grew up with. Okay. I sort of just down the road from us. So uh, friends that we grew up with took the initiative to get this money, uh, you know, the, the fundraising started, and then here comes this giant uh, na- national-sized uh, outfit, and now they took over everything. I don't, uh, you know. It, you know, it's even crazy. Transparency. Mm-hmm. The fund's gone. It's right. gone. It's in, it's in inactive status, so you can't see anything as to what actually right. transpired with it. And there's no transparency now. So where did all that money go? You know, where are, are all the families that we know that gave money? Uh, do they know where their money went? Do they even care anymore? I mean, we're we're, we're approaching a year. Next month on the thirtieth, it's gonna be a year. November, you know. So uh, it makes me wonder. It, it, may, it, it makes me wonder if whether or not they're asked then if something like that has taken place that they're asked to sign some non-disclosure agreement. And they end up receiving way more money than what they thought they were going to get. But in that non-disclosure agreement, they just say, hey, look, don't talk about the funds. You can talk about the trial. You can talk about the crumblies. You can talk about the shooting. Just don't talk about the money. Right. Makes, makes you wonder. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's set up. It, it apparently seems like it's all set up as a giant uh, mobile um, money laundering scheme. Basically, uh, we we don't get to see everything. I mean, it's it's almost like what we're we're doing over there, messing around with Ukraine. Everything goes over there. We don't even know what, what's going on. We don't see where the money's going. We don't. There's no transparency. Well, it's there's the no transparency. But as well, when you look at their current active and then past funds, all of them were hand chosen. They were all hand chosen. They go along with they're, they're a subsidiary of it, national centers for victims. And they provide training, the biometric security, all of that stuff goes through these individual advocate groups. They go back through, um, I think there's even some Native American um, initiatives. It's super, super strange. But did you guys see the intake form that I sent to you from the state of Michigan? I looked at it. Um, Can you remind me of it? Who's going to take the time to sit there with it when an Ethan Crumbly comes into school, they find a gun in his backpack. Who's going to sit down at the desk and take the time to fill that out for the state to request investigation? Well, it's, it's certainly, yeah, it's a smaller, it's a smaller VAERS report, but at the exact same time, they didn't check his bag. No, but they, oh. Did you okay? So that was yeah. the other part that came out in that came out after the trial yesterday. So after Nathan Crum or Ethan Crumbly pled guilty, one of the first things that I was like, okay, that guy, like they were focusing on a guy, and I was like, he looks super familiar. And then I realized right away, oh, it was Ben Johnson. So Ben Johnson, it started with Jeffrey Figer, and then it was Ben Johnson. And Ben Johnson's the one that's been really going after the school board. Now, mind you, the school administrators and the board have already been deposed. They've already testified under oath. 
They testified under oath that day that they searched his backpack and he did not have it with him. Yesterday, Ethan Crumbly disclosed he did have it in his backpack, as well as 50 rounds of ammunition, et cetera, et cetera. And the first thing Ben Johnson said is, we've got a problem here. Yeah, I've got uh, some Ben Johnson audio here. I don't know if you can hear it, but I've got it. Go ahead. Play it. Well, let's see if it comes through here. Oxford Community Schools, uh, as you all know, has done nothing but cover up and conceal this information. New information that attorney Ben Johnson said he learned about the tragic shooting at Oxford High School on November 30th of last year. Did Ethan Crumley show signs of problems before? Johnson, after taking sworn depositions under oath of Oxford teachers and counselors, says that the answer is absolutely yes. Exhibit 1, a self-portrait of Ben 15 year old Ethan Crumley with a firearm and a magazine of bullets given to his teacher on the first day of school in August 2021. There was a firearm. How do I know that? Because Ms. Kavinsky told me. Next, September 8th, an email from Crumley's Spanish teacher to the school counselor. In his autobiography poem, he said that he feels terrible and that his family is a mistake. But the counselor never spoke to Crumley. Next, November 10th, another email to the counselor. Ethan Crumley is having a rough time right now. He might need to speak with you. This time, the counselor did speak with Crumley, but... Crumley's response was, okay, and that was it. And finally, Monday, November 29th, a different teacher approached Crumley, who was not trying to hide that he was looking at pictures of bullets on his phone. Johnson concludes he was... He was calling out for help. The concerned teacher sent an email to the counselor reflecting on Crumley's past work. I'm quoting, leans a bit toward the violent side. And Ben Johnson provided examples. Crumley's favorite book? Resistance and Making Bombs for Hitler. And Crumley's favorite TV show? Dexter and Breaking Bad. Oh, violent. I reached out to the Oxford School District, but... No response. No trial date has been set in this civil case. So basically, we're looking at these are all the red uh, red flag signs that were obvious, and everybody missed it. It's crazy. This is yeah. These are only the ones that were documented, Jesse. Yep. See the preliminary. Yeah, we know there's there's other ones. That yeah. that preliminary oh, yeah. that preliminary hearing was super important because when they had the counselor up on the stand and he was saying all the things he was saying and you know we're here for you Ethan and we just want you to be happy and you know whatever else. I mean every single person that was saying anything regarding Ethan Crumbly, all of these people were beyond suspicious. They were all passing the buck. They were all pointing fingers. The the administrative dean who's in charge of discipline didn't want to ha- handle it. Excuse me, passed it off to the counselor. Counselor didn't tell other people about it. They just yeah, I mean they just let it all slide. This is a yeah, this it, is it, a massive cave in on school policy and the people who work within and what they know about what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah, and remember they sent the uh, the, the school uh, liaison off to what the junior high to go check on some vacant car that was in the parking lot. So he was off the property at the time uh, by direction of them. And, you know, that's the word that's going around here too. And it's been going on here since day one. So he wasn't even around to help. Uh, But, you know, all those red flags, I mean, that gun was in his backpack that day. 
But of course, you know, all these signs that go by, everybody's missing or not want to react uh, or proact, you know, be proactive in this. Um, is it because of the, you know, if this does come out in the media that they caught a kid, stopped him, uh, and they would obviously have to fill out a police report at that time, would that affect their blue ribbon status and their finance, uh, you know, uh, funding status in the future? Is that is that why they didn't do it? Well, and on top of, so then partner that with what happened earlier this month. So just a few weeks ago, at one of the Oxford schools, the security, the security, one of the security officers, whatever, um, accidentally discharged his gun while in the bathroom of the school, like during the school day. <laughs> and so, but they, but that was like, you know, immediately like, okay, like that was quiet. Like we didn't hear much more about that other than like yeah. the first day. Yeah, it, it wasn't big news. It wasn't nothing. It was nothing. You know what I mean? So. Uh, I don't know. It just seems like all these things are um, either it's going to have legs for some reason or they will shut it down for another reason. And this one took off. It has legs. Um, it, it almost seems to me like, depending on all these shootings, and there's so many we don't even hear about, um, they, they, they pick ones up that are going to help their narrative and they drop the ones that they don't want people to know about. It's sickening. Uh, it, it almost it almost implies too that Ethan Crumbly's Crumbly's lawyers were again I don't know if it's ethical to do this legally or not but potentially that they were communicating with the parents' lawyers and they were saying hey look Ethan knows he did this he knows that you guys as parents had nothing to do with this so here here's going to be our sort of tag team approach on this on this prosecutor prosecutor wants to go after Ethan we're going to cut her legs out. And we're just going to uh, plead guilty to everything, including a terrorism charge. That way the public can get involved. The heartstrings can get pulled and everybody can say what they want to say, which, again, is going to draw that part of that trial or that hearing anyway. I mean, it's going to draw that out for at least a month. Uh, and that'll yeah. be all over the Law and Crime channel on YouTube, without a doubt. Um, I, I see this getting getting the parents off to some extent because if if more absolutely e yeah if more evidence pour, pours out that you know this was one hundred percent Ethan which it clearly was um, that he had intent which he clearly did he wasn't in fear of his life per se I don't think at least I haven't heard anything like that that he was getting picked on that he was getting bullied that he was being attacked I mean this was premeditated but well, uh, and. To go on with that, which is super, super crazy, what I don't think any of us expected was, A, that the school board, the school administration, was going to be thrown under the bus so blatantly. And see, that right there, is, that's really important, because what you have there is you have a lot of awesome parents who all lawyered up and are not letting that school district off the hook. That's a big deal. Okay. Um, yeah, you're both, you know, bringing up some good points. I want to go back to that terrorism charge, uh, cause it doesn't make sense to me. You know, if you go and look up the, you know, the definition of terrorism, it's the un unlawful use of violence or threats to intimidate or coerce a civilian population or government with the goal of furthering political, social, or ide ideological objective. Um, I can't understand any, it either. There's no precedent for it. No, right. I it, as well. It, there's no precedent for it. Yeah, so right, the, and there's never been president for it. This is the very first one. So how did that come and why is that 
charge sticking. I don't, I don't understand that. I wonder if it allows them to declare themselves uh, differently as a school or differently as a county now. And as a result of that, again, maybe more money shows up, maybe more of a police state. Again, you know, we've, we've been over the, all the little ins and outs and all the details and variables of what, this, what Oxford High School has planned going forward. Again, the clear backpacks, the, the security cameras, you know, the wands, all the, the dogs, you name it. Um, yeah. It makes me wonder again just whether or not there's more government intervention down the way here as a result of that one charge. I think it, I think there is because what this is playing on the back of is uh, that whole anti-bullying policy stuff that started when my when my kids were in elementary school and you know it, it never stopped um, and it was so annoying to them they were like this is so dumb nobody's even bullying in here anyway what are we doing they just keep coming with us once a week or whatever that was um, and the kids were just so annoyed with it. Because that's what the, at the time, schools were just talking about that. They made t-shirts, they had posters. Every week, it seemed like, uh, you know, that's where that whole be kind crap came from, too. Um, that was all a push from there. So I'm wondering if this terrorism stuff is, uh, you know, if, if you look at dictionary.com, at the bottom it says, for many children, terrorism at school is a fact of life, even with anti-bullying policies in place. So you might okay, be right. So- they might be piggybacking this on something else for the, for the future. But they cut off their nose despite their face when they had him admit in open court he didn't personally know any of his victims. Yeah, see, there you go. Um, That's interesting. He personally admitted it. They made him admit it. He did not know any of them. Well, what's the, what do they mean by no? I mean, I, I know some of my neighbors, but I don't know them personally. I don't know their names here and there, some of them, but but does that fit? Does they're that, in the same school? Yeah, they know them. I mean, yeah. especially a football player, he knows who that kid is. But does it does it does that fit the terrorism charge? Then does that fit that definition? Yeah. You know, I the way that Jesse read it, you have to remember. You know, the prosecutor's office isn't stupid by any stretch of the imagination. They've played the game for quite a while. This yeah. is the first time that I can ever find there was. The thought of possibly back in 2013, there was a 12-year-old kid that shot up a school. There was a possible thought at that time of maybe, like, hurling some charges at the parents, but they never did. This is the first time in history. Yeah, so what what does that make us think? I mean, it's got to be related to some stuff that they have set up in the in the background that we don't know about yet. You know how things change all the time. We have, you know, a lot of executive orders getting written, and uh, there's got to be uh, some sort of tie to something else in all this. So, and that, and I guess the only way that we're going to have to see how this plays out, because you have to remember, the only thing that they gave Ethan Crumbly the ability to do yesterday was to plead guilty. He he, he admitted yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, but. Aside from giving legitimate, solid responses that were bona fide by, you know, visual or backed up with identity confirmation, every single thing that was stated about him was read very carefully and verbatim by the judge and by the assistant prosecutor. 
So every single thing yesterday, all of the charges that were that were lobbied, or all the charges that were pressed against him were articulated by the judge. After that, his plea was articulated by the assistant prosecutor. They, yeah. they compounded. I don't know how it goes with the terrorism charge, though, especially with the way that you're reading it, Jesse. It does not make sense. No, not at all. It does. I don't see where it fits. And you know, another thing, too, is I don't remember... Um, where that, you know how they brought up that little Nazi thing, that guy at the end there, that Marquise, or, uh, no, who was that? Yeah, I think it was Keith. Um, this is the first time I'm hearing anything about this Nazi stuff. Back then, when it happened a year ago, we didn't hear anything about any of that. Nothing at all. No. So where'd that Nazi no. stuff come from? It just showed up here. Well, and that's the thing. Ben Johnson has been very quick to... You know, identifying our, yeah, he's he's articulating and, and identifying the things that are being stated under oath, et cetera, et cetera. He never said a word about that. Right. It seems you know, like that would have been the first thing out of his mouth. If you want, I have a clip of, uh, it's a one minute, 10 second clip of uh, the assistant uh, prosecutor Perfect. questioning. You know, do you guys want to hear that? Hit it. Okay. surprised me and if you look at the at the television broadcast of it yesterday yeah who was paying that those attorney fees that kid's got like five different attorneys plus a guardian um at litem yeah I, I don't know i mean I, my guess is that we're getting some i don't want to call them ambulance chasers but that's kind of what it is these uh, lawyers who are who knows they might be looking to make a name for themselves i mean we know who who uh, Tiger is, you know, that, that, that goofball, he's, he's always popping up over here, you know, in, in town locally. So I don't know if it's that kind of a situation. And like you said, that's got to be a ton of money. And of course he's not paying for this. And these aren't, uh, you know, just, uh, what do you call it? The court appointed lawyers. 
Another question that came up about it, which was, I, I wish I could find this thread again. I thought I had saved it. But it was really interesting because it was actually one of the production companies. And so they're, you know, they've been following the trial and da, da, da. So with the broadcasting that was going on, there was some live streaming that was going on, right? So, like, yeah. it was delayed. They were waiting, da, da, da. So there was some comments and feedback that were coming, not just from across the state, but across the nation and then across the world as well. And people were like, Wait, when was this filmed? Why is everybody masked? Pandemic's over. Blah, 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 blah. So all of mm -hmm. these things start going up. Next thing you know, this thread actually had the comment suspended. And then they announced that they could all remove their masks. <laughs> and then it just like went from there. And all of those comments were scrubbed from the commentary. Yeah, I don't get it. Wow. I, I, I don't understand what the point of, of the mask charade was in the first place. Like, you don't need a mask to go into the Oakland County Courthouse any longer. That's over. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do think, though, that when it comes to the terrorism charge and the ability for anybody to testify about, again, their feelings about the entire situation, whether they were a, you know, a direct family victim or not. Um, I have a feeling it's it's again leading to the parents' charges being dropped by the prosecutor's office, and then uh, it just drawing all of this out to to focus all of the emotion on Ethan Crumbly, and then again, even in you know the public comment section, there they're going to have an opportunity to bash the parents if they want. I mean, if they want to you know say whatever they want to say about the parents, they they can certainly do that. Um, yeah, I, I'm just glad that it's being. It seems to be more focused now on what what the actual school administration was doing, because I only briefly covered this particular part. And if you two have more to add on this uh, this particular detail, I'd like you to do it. You had two school board members quit in the middle of their terms, just within the last month. Yep. Yes. This the superintendent resigned. Um. Was it the, Jesse, who was it at the top of the school board? Was it the school board president that resigned? Yeah, yeah. I believe I it recall. was. Yeah. I believe it wasn't in two members um, just recently. So are they, what are they doing? Cutting and running? Are they trying to avoid something? What is it? Because it, it seems to me like it's all going to come back down to some of these people who, you know, who let the red flag go on without doing anything about it. But at the end of the day, too, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest challenges for Van Johnson is the fact that a they can't get they can't get discovery, they can't get the information, and so you've got so many different people that are running interference there. And I mean, immediately after this happened, the school board members individually, a lot of them, lawyered up, and then you had the superintendent, and they came out very staunchly against you know Ethan Crumbly and supporting you know, their staff members, well, then you have these instances that came up that were bonafiably proven with emails and text messages, which showed that, hey, they really didn't have their stuff straight. And now you've got these depositions under Ron Johnson, and he's finding out flat out that nothing matches up. Yeah, 
again, it's, I, I can't. It's very I, strange. Yeah, I can't help but think again of that counselor who was on the stand during the preliminary hearing. He he was so he was so confused, and was doing whatever he could to just be emotional and say, "Well, we care about everybody, and we just want the best for everybody." And you know, there, there was no indication to me that he was violent because he was speaking calmly and whatever else. It all boils down to broken policy. If you don't get a resource officer involved and you don't keep Ethan there with his bag in a different room, lock Ethan in there with somebody else, make sure he doesn't hurt himself. I mean, there's a thousand different scenarios that could have, or steps rather, that could have taken place. But it just points to the much larger problem that all of that Alice training and all of that other stuff, it, it has so many cracks in it because it's on the reactionary end of what happens when somebody actually does something in a school building that's violent. It has nothing to do with the preventative end of things or the preventative side. It's, uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Again, those school employees, those direct school employees, maybe not the school board members, but certainly the principal, the dean, and the counselor, um, those are really the individuals that are responsible for handling Ethan Crumbly when they when they receive any kind of a complaint. The teachers themselves, the only way that they would get in trouble is if they had evidence that Ethan was potentially a threat to himself or somebody else, uh, and they didn't do anything and they didn't report anything. But from what I, what I can surmise, so to speak, is that. I think the the school teachers pretty much did what they were supposed to do. It was the administrative staff that didn't. Yeah, I believe that's true too. You know, and it still it goes back to like you're saying. This is uh, when they should have been proactive instead of being reactive. Now, are they doing that on purpose because they know of the funding and that whole blue ribbon status that they're getting from the state? If they report something that jeopardizes that status like what they did here, you know, they had the chance to get that resource officer uh, in and talk to him. But no, they sent him down to another school to check on a vacant car. Why'd they do that? Yeah. uh, I personally think they did it because they believe that they can handle things without having a police officer involved. I mean, that's how really self-absorbed a lot of these people are. They believe that they can talk anybody off of a cliff. I mean, these school counselors think they are full-blown psychiatrists. Many of them really do, and it's sad because they're really stepping out of out of bounds with their qualifications. And I mean, yeah, I mean they can't really even search a bag without a cop present. Some resource officer has to be present in order to search a person's belongings, and it's the cop you that know, usually does it. I'm I'm actually baffled. So this is crazy, and I'm sorry, because I've been doing research while you guys have been talking, but I'm still paying attention, just so you know that. Yep. Okay. Here's the interesting... That's how we work these shows, Danny, come on. <laughs> this is the interesting thing. I'm insulted. You, but I, no, never never be insulted, because I'm, I'm, I'm doing both at the same time. But here's the interesting thing. When you try to look at the people that have actually been convicted on terrorism charges, at the end of the day... The wording is very, very carefully modified, right? So you've Mm -hmm. got terrorism charges, but then you've got, you know, these kids that are making phone calls and they're accused of making terrorist threats. Big difference, right? Yep. 
Ethan yeah. Crumbly, this this terrorism charge puts Ethan Crumbly with Osama bin Laden. Yeah. And with the J6 people. Yeah, I don't were right any of them actually convicted, though. I don't think any no, of them were no. convicted because they were not, convicted not on convicted. minor trespassing bulk stuff like that. Yep. Yep, none of them are convicted of it. They're just being accused and held for it. So, uh, Timothy but, McVeigh. There you go. Ethan Crumbly, Timothy McVeigh. Not even close. I'm, I'm literally like. Well, one's a patsy, one wasn't. So we know that. Right. But still, those same, those same charges, you know, is applying to this little kid here. And, right, um, so that's, that's my point. To me. Yeah, and the, I'm not an attorney, not by any stretch of the imagination. My mouth's too big. I'm not an attorney. I look at this and I go, there's no precedent. All the school shootings, everything that's ever happened, there's no precedent. Why would the defense attorneys have allowed the terrorism charge to stand? They were. He was going down on 24 felonies plus four murder charges. What is it with the adherence of that terrorism charge that was so important from both sides? Yeah, like you said, if it isn't something else that's government-related and money-related, it's the emotional component. If you throw in the ability for anybody in that town to show up and say, this damaged me, this hurt me, you know, I was emotionally distraught as a result of this, even though maybe they didn't have someone who died there or was even wounded or maybe even was there. Maybe it's just a business owner gets to show up and say, well, my business is down because I'm distraught over the whole thing and now I need some money. And then as soon as that person shows up to the lectern and starts talking in the court and sharing their opinions and their emotional story, you know, they're handed a check on the way out the door. That's quite possible. But it actually brings me to this, and I, I wanted to just shift gears slightly, but it's it's still the exact same story. Is the is the the trauma component to all of this, of course, and the purposeful manipulation and oh Jesse, there's a word. I'm searching for it, but it's you know, it's the long-term mental impact of this, uh, the programming, so to speak. You know, the long-term programming that this has on the area and the students and all of it. So, I mean, I want to go to the St. Louis thing real quick because yesterday I, I, I read three articles about it. I, I made no judgments as I was reading them. I, I started to look at some of the stereotypical signs of, of a false flag, something that wasn't real, that didn't happen. They had some of the same quotes. And then I started to watch the videos. And there were two individuals on those videos that uh, they just didn't look right when they, were t when they were telling their story. Neither one of them was crying. The first one was a female. And she actually said two stereotypical things. I made eye contact with the shooter. And then she said, and then the shooter, I heard the shooter say something to the tune of, and I have the direct quote on my Gab page, but it was something like, I just, I'm just so sick and tired of this school and the people in it, something like that. And then that was it. Um, again, the, the, the misleading stories of no one was dead and then they had the shooter in custody. And then it turned out two people are dead, including the shooter. 
And then it turned into, again, on the audio, the girl describing it isn't shedding a tear. She's acting like she's crying. She's acting poorly. Um, and then she runs out of things to say because she forgets her script. I have that video pulled up right here off your gap. Yep. And what was interesting about that, too, well, it actually deserves a visual watch. I mean, a person really needs to actually see her and, and break yep. down her nonverbals because it's terrible. Uh, and then, and this is another little nuanced thing too, is you'll notice as you guys know this, when you text, when you text message an article to someone or you put it out on social media, you know how there's always that, that picture that goes along with the article. Yeah. The thumbnail. Yeah. There you go. Thank you. Yep. So yep. The, the thumbnail for one of the stories was that girl. So I thought to myself, of all of the quote-unquote victims, why are they honing in on just that one person? And then the other article I read that had the, the, the video and the audio of the male student being interviewed, he was less believable than the female, and the female was bad enough. He, was, he, he practically had a smile on his face the entire time. And again, went through his lines and then the woman who was interviewing him took over the interview and said well what is it you know your your mom's here now do you know how do you feel that your mom is here and he said hopeful i feel hopeful i mean who says that no no <laughs> no, no inner city no inner city teenager in a high school actually says that and he's and he's doing whatever he can to keep the smile off his face and then he himself the back of him is the thumbnail photograph with him standing next to two people. So this is plausible and this is one of the things that does happen in these in a lot of these situations. They'll run a drill. He even said by the way that this particular kid, he even said I mean his line was amazing. He said uh we thought this was a drill and then we knew it wasn't. And yeah. I th and I thought to myself how would you know that? Well, so you know I mean, I'm just going to wrap up by saying this. I mean, he, he was, he, he he couldn't keep the smile off of his face. Again, he ran through his lines, and then he was the thumbnail picture on the story again. And then that was it. And they didn't interview anybody else. Everybody else was either an audio interview. I even saw a video of of all of that taking place with people. Again, it was a lot like Uvalde. Someone was holding a phone, pointing it at the building while they were screaming at the top of their lungs in horror, as you can hear gunshots going off inside of the building. But on that video, you see a police officer casually walk across the street like it's no big deal. If a shooting is really happening, everybody is running, including police officers. They're not casually taking a stroll. It was beyond, it was beyond bizarre, but it's difficult, I think, for a lot of people to, to come to grips with the fact that that these these deep state agencies and these masons and all these people that that you know facilitate these kinds of drills they have it within them as evil as it is to run a drill where someone is shooting blanks and all they have to do is just trick enough people into believing it's real and then you get the actors on camera to say the lines that need to be said and then everybody walks away with some people believing it happened and other people knowing it didn't. So yeah, that's just classic, classic false flag operation right exactly. there. I mean, I watched the video you're talking about. 
Yeah. And uh, Sandy, I just sent you the text of his uh, Gab, American Education FM, on Gab there, and you can scroll down and see all these. Now, that, that kid you're talking about who's given that real calm, almost where he smiles yeah. uh, interview, I'm looking at everybody in the background in the parking lot. There's some lady just casually strolling across there with her shopping cart. There's another guy here just walking to his car. Um, there's a security or something right here in a, in a truck behind him just casually walking around. Nobody's running. There's no nothing frantic. Um, it, it's hilarious to me. And like you're saying, when they do a lot of these, you know, there's training all over the place. You know, they, they, they even do the trainings around here to our schools. Um, but when they do these drills, they're, they're, of course, they're recorded. You know, they're filmed. Um, and from what I'm hearing is sometimes you'll see patched in uh, recorded training from a different day. Then they have people who are out walking around that hear the training going going on. What was that? I'm sorry. I'm looking at stuff while I'm listening to you. So keep going, oh, right. Jesse. I'm right back <laughs> yeah. on you. So, so yeah, it's like, um, you know, they can put these. All you have to do is take some. Uh, some video footage of a training going on. Then you have a script that goes up to who's going to read the script on TV, and you overlay that on top of these uh, training videos, and bam, there you go. You, you just pull off a magician's trick. Yeah, um, It's very easy to do that. Um, and and it, to me, that's what this looks like. And it's Again, all, we're and, not and, seeing any blood. That's yep. right. Yep. No gurneys. Nothing no, like that. No gurneys. No Nobody's looking like they're scared. Nobody's no. looking like they're panicked. They're just answering questions and things. Now, you you put that up with what we got coming out of the Oxford shooting? Completely different. You saw panic. You saw all kinds of stuff going on there because where those kids and everybody was coming down to that mire, just down the road from the high school there, completely different scene. It looked completely different. It wasn't scripted or anything. You, there's panic. There's people running all around in the background. Not here. Cops, not here. Yeah, cop cars were not like like articulately parallel parked. They, oh, they were, were pulled in the grass everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, doors were in. open. They just yeah. they they got there and bolted. They did what they were supposed to do. It looked like it looked like chaos because it legitimately was. But yeah. you look at this, and and while I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you talk about these videos, and I'm looking and I'm going, there's like three videos, and I'm. I'm wow. Like I, yeah, I am. Yep. Everybody's nice and parked, nice and neat, and then they ended up apparently moving them all to some grocery store nearby, where school buses were allegedly picking them up, or parents were picking them up and taking them home. Again, yeah, this I'd be is very interested. This to is, find out if that was a pre-organized. Um, I, yeah. Why not? <laughs> it's absolutely. Happened before, I mean, yeah, Oxford, we knew. Like that was a, that yep. Yeah, that was that was different. And they had had that agreement with Meyer and that was before I wanna see either the high school was being built or Meyer was being built from that from that first time is when they had the um it's a contract. Yeah. Yeah, because it's just right down the road. Um but but again, back to, to, to what you're saying, Sandy, the cop cars were everywhere. Parents in the background running all around. Lights are on. I mean, it looked like mass chaos in the background of all those Oxford clips. In these ones, it's all calm. Everybody. All the cars are facing nice. the same way. They're parallel yeah. parked. The cops, it, even. I'm. Yeah, wow. and remember with Oxford, 
all those parents and siblings and everybody were just jammed in this parking lot. There was a buzz the whole rest of the day. Okay, this one here is just what, just minutes or hour, you know, within an hour or two of, of it happening. And there's just people regular shopping in the background. And this guy, he's inspecting his tires on the truck and nothing's going on. And see, here's the, so poli- you, here's the political element to this, too. If a person were to dive into what are, the, what are the current politics and what's on the ballot and who's running for what, both in Missouri and in the St. Louis area, that's a big deal. Maybe there's yeah. a mayoral race that's taking place that uh, they need to stir up some panic and, and do whatever they have to do to maybe even get, get rid of somebody who's bad. I mean, maybe even that's part of it, too. But. Yeah, Funny sure. thing that you're even talking about that, because one of the videos that has the police chief being interviewed, the lady behind him, even though she has a black blazer on, she has a campaign shirt. I can't read exactly <laughs> what it is, but she has a campaign shirt on. It's like, I'm... There you go. Amazing. Yeah. Yep. Don't forget to vote. It's, it's, it's awful. Yeah, it's it's just a giant campaign so- ad amazing there's I, I can't remember who it is but um there's there's a couple guys and they have a youtube video that they've been around for years i want to say olog uh olog olaf oleg maybe his name is derek uh, oleg i can't remember what he does all the, he breaks down all every one of these for years he's been breaking down these events and he sees what's going on in these events and there's always like shoes will be left over like a single shoe will just show up somewhere and usually the media will take a picture of it and it'll be in part of their, uh, their, uh, their stories. And that'll be the thumbnail is like a shoe, a single shoe by itself. Um, with normal things going on in the background, it's almost like the shoes are a symbol for something or a signal to somebody. Um, and it's, it's curious to find out if this has anything to do with any of that stuff. Um, another thing that he said too, is when you look at some of these things, look in the background, if you see like, um, craft services where there's always a table of water and pizza and lunch and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that is for the crew. Yeah. That stuff right there is for the crew who's putting on the training seminar. Well, you turn off the volume on your training seminar and you see all this panic, right? Then you give that video to somebody else to narrate something over the top of it. Then you have a genuine Made for TV scripted shooting. We can do that. We can do that here. I look at the Blair Witch Project. You can do all that stuff. You know what's funny, Jesse? I was thinking about this. There was this video the other day, and it was like exposing like the COVID stuff. And I won't even digress into it. I'll send you the video later, Sean. But anyways, it was just like kind of articulating and bringing together across the different markets. So across from the different metropolitan areas, the states, even the different countries. And it was really funny because when, you know, I don't know who had the time or or did the search, but at this moment, I'm really thinking about doing a project with M. I'm wondering if we use the exact same search of the same verbiage that we have been hearing from the individual witnesses. I'm wondering if we could actually come up with a compilation of the exact same things that are being said at the different locations. Yeah, probably. I mean, there's there's a lot of scripted stuff. So, um, I'm, I'm just actually looking at this video of a girl, Sean, that's on your thing here too, and she's barefooted. She has socks on. She's outside, 
and her she had, looks like she has jogging sweats on, but they're ripped at the crotch down to about the knee. She's outside on some sidewalk that it looks like the grass hasn't been cut around it in two years. Um, it's just weird. Where's what, what is this video all about? And, and it just got her talking about it. Where's her shoes? She's outside, you guys. I don't know. <laughs> well, this whole thing is bizarre because you know who this woman is that has the uh, um, um, campaign shirt? She's mm -hmm. the deputy director. Uh, of what? Um, oh, I lied. Mayor, Mayor Tashura. Don't. Okay. Yeah. She's the mayor. Tashura Jones of St. Louis. Wow. With her campaign shirt. See, there you go. It's all political. It's all designed to remind the people who aren't paying attention to politics that this is the person you need to vote for or, again, basically say, hey, look, this is an unfortunate incident, but we, we kept everybody safe as best we could, even though some people allegedly died. And, uh, you know, it's just it's all political. It's just designed to scare people and keep them in that constant state of fear. And it's mm -hmm. easy. It's easier to do in the inner city because they're used to it. But I, I don't buy it for a minute that they're so used to it that you you can't find someone who's legitimately upset who really saw a murder. Again, very early on, after the Uvalde hoax, there was a video that was bouncing around BitChute where the guy he was very well done, and I linked it in the description of my show, but. The guy basically started off by showing constant footage of people who have actually experienced trauma, who had family members who really died. And then it showed Sandy Hook parents, and it showed Uvalde parents, and it showed other parents from other things that didn't happen. And it's, it's night and day. I mean, the difference is you know, night and day. When the Uvalde parents were interviewed, there was a grandfather. and. He was absolutely just making, and he was on every single news station. He was on all different clips. And the craziest part was he had no idea what grade his granddaughter was in. Yep, I remember that. Yes, I remember that too. Hey, you guys, <laughs> I just found something. I just found something here. I, I just kept on clicking, uh, and I ended up going into uh, Twitter. Um, that's where these your dad led me to and it's um there's one here and it's got four four live screen videos uh but they're all still images right it says massive police presence at cleveland school at the intersection of arsenal and king's highway in st louis three people injured breaking news and so i scroll down and i'm starting to read the comments and in these pictures you can see that you know there's police cars they're all lined up uh, there's a bunch of police around the gates, around the trucks, uh, at the corners of the building. It all looks like a training to me. I don't see any students anywhere. No students anywhere. No lights on. I don't see any, you know, fire or, uh, you know, the, the, the beacons up top on the cars. None of those are on. It just looks like a training to me. All right. Now, I scroll down to. And see, that's interesting. Hang on real quick. Yeah. That, that's interesting because I just heard this the other day. If memory serves. Uh, Having the lights on police police officers' cars is mandatory now, and that went into effect like back in two thousand four. 
And and I, I heard that the reason for that was, again, to instill panic in people. It was to, yeah. again, remind them of a police state and raise everybody's blood pressure and keep everybody on mm-hmm. constant alert. So, yeah. Why would they panic. have all those cars there with no uh, no cherries and berries, you know, yeah, shining? they're not running. So now I go down here and I'm starting to see people commenting, and I see a lot of local people there commenting. This one lady says, um, says St. Louis Teach City. It says, uh, it is not Cleveland. It is Central VPA and Collegiate now. Do better. And I keep going down. This lady says, delete this. You've got the wrong school. Says, I live, uh, or, or hang on. I'm going to go down to the next one. Um, where did it go? Hold on one second. I'm scrolling up. It says, this lady says, it's the old Southwest High School. So it wasn't even it wasn't um, even an inhabited says, school. This lady right here says, "No, you know the town you cover." Um, this one says, "It's CVPA. Cleveland is closed. Do better." It says, "Was that Cleveland uh, Cleveland Chiropractic College?" with a question mark. Um, and it says, "No, no idea. This is not the school name. Do better." <laughs> this is nuts. It's amazing. No, wait a minute, though. Wait, 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 wait. Remember, though, when Uvalde came out, that was the first uh-huh. thing that happened. Everybody thought it was a different address. It was a different location, a different school. Well, this one says Cleveland, question mark. It was the old Southwest. And this one says it used to be the Southwest High School. It says not Cleveland School, Central Visual Performing Arts. So I don't know what's going on. It says wrong again, Fox, dude. Disgraceful reporting. <laughs> Fix the tweet. That's Central. Yeah, see, initially they said it was a performing arts center. Okay, it says not Cleveland, it used to be Southwest, so I don't know. Either don't know way. I tell you, there's just, yeah, it's just wild. See, that's the thing, too. It's beyond sloppy media because remembering a lie is a very difficult thing to do. And repeating a lie yeah. across multiple platforms, that's even harder. Mm-hmm. Wild. Well, well uh, you know, here we are. We're just left with more questions when all these things come up. Yep. You know, we're just left with more questions, uh, but yet the job has been done uh, in getting into the people's brains uh, and pushing whatever they have to push. The fear that they were pushing, well, it worked. Worked again. Yeah, and again, what, it, it what could are, be, as, as horrible as it sounds, if it's a white hat operation designed to remind people that this is what your Democrat politicians have in store for you. Uh, you know, I think it's a terrible way to go about it, but if it changes yep. votes and if it changes votes in a particular place that typically is all Democrat all the time, you know, okay, but I hey, don't know. It's, it's a gun-free zone, right? <laughs> right. Do you think, oh, sorry. On, on do you think National Compassion Fund will be doing fundraising? <laughs> that's, Good idea. Th- that's worth checking out. Listen, we need to put that on. Somebody's got to follow that. Yep. Um, and I'm going to put it on. Let me, ask you, right. let me ask you guys, too, about just Michigan politics. What's on your ballot up there? What's going on? Jesse, you and I were kind of talking about that a little bit before Sandy jumped on. Um, Life or death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say? What did you say? No Life kidding. or death. <laughs> Well, here, yeah, pretty much. I you, mean, you know, here in Ohio, they're they're uh, we're voting on whether or not it's going to be okay for illegals to vote. Oh, perfect! Yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that constitutionally at all. Of course not. 
And of course, we, we have a, no, we, we have we, a school we, levy too, and we've got a county levy also. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we've 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 got some crazy proposals up here too, and all three of them, the state proposals, they seek to change the Michigan Constitution. Uh, and there's only usually one reason why you seek to change that. Uh, it's because you're not allowed to do the things you want to do. Uh, so it looks like they're, you know, what prop one, two, and three. Um, I have a really funny story about three. You, yeah, that's the abortion was, one. Oh, it was fabulous. Yep. Go ahead and Saturday read evening, went just... out to dinner with some friends, right? Super, yep. super sweet. Proposal three gets brought up. I said, you know, so of course they wanted to know my take because, you know, I really don't hold back. And so I was like, nope, nope, nope. And but why? Well, because all Proposal 3 would do is restore, like, the Roe versus Wade. I'm like, eh, who told you that? She goes, I actually, she goes, I, I watched the news. And I said, which one? CNN, <laughs> MSNBC? Right, right. She goes, let it rip on Fox 2. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you know what that mess said, is all about. Yep. And so I mm. said, your first thing that you should have done before you took that, you know, to even think about you should have looked to see who sponsored the segment number two here let me send you exactly what the bill is so i sent her the bill and i said do you see now that it takes the parental controls away from pro it so the parental controls that would prohibit like transgender reassignment da 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 it takes that away it actually bakes it in but the funny way that it bakes it in is it bakes it in as a woman's rights issue. So what the state legislature is going for is like sensible laws. That's what it is. So and sensible laws. But the distortion and the way that it is being just blatant. Yes, it's so yeah. and it's oh my gosh, and they're calling us, you know. The far right, they're they're you know giving bad information. No, 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 no. We're reading the bills. <laughs> like we're yeah, reading. Well, them. I can. I've got more information on that. I'm oh. looking at the who's got the support for it and who is the uh, the uh, opposition for it. Now listen to this. So this is what they're calling reproductive freedom for all. Oh, that what that means is freedom to kill a baby. Okay, so guess who? Here's the official supporters from it. Um, it's called reproductive freedom for all. It's leading the campaign. In support of the initiative. Here's your first official supporter, U.S. Senator Elizabeth Warren. <laughs> you, uh, oh, Attorney Attorney General Dana Nessel. Now, here's the organizations that are behind this: ACLU of Michigan, uh, the the a, the Greater ACLU, Human Rights Campaign Pack, Michigan Voices. Here we go. Planned Parenthood of Michigan. Yep. Yep. And do you um, know what? Do you know what the one word is in there? Baked everything and puts it all together, Jesse. Yeah. Sterilization. There you go. Um, because here's the opponents. Yeah, well, here, here's there's there's sorry. Uh, you go ahead, finish up. No, I'm saying you go. I want, I'm listening. Oh, so the opposition to it. Uh, this is the no on proposal three here in Michigan. Citizens to support Michigan and women and children is leading the campaign opposing this ballot initiative. Other organizations, the Michigan Catholic Conference and the Right to Life of Michigan. That's it. Um, uh, they have an argument. 
This is coming from the Great Lakes Justice Center. It says these activists falsely claim they're now they're talking about uh, the Roe versus Wade thing here. Uh, these activists falsely claim the amendment merely replaces the U.S. Supreme Court ruling Roe versus Wade back into effect. But you're saying, uh, um, Sandy, nothing is further from the truth. If passed, the RRFI enshrines Michigan's Constitution's most extreme abortion law in America. The expansive, vague, and broad terms used in this new law are not defined. The new fundamental constitutional right overrides any conflicting statute. Yep. Oh, it's, it's bad. It's bad, you guys. If this they are passes, lying. Oh, my gosh. Yes. They are lying. They are being so deceitful, and they are just hiding everything under these blanket words. Horrendous. Well, Absolutely the, horrendous. The bad thing is there, there's support. Um, the support contribute contributions here from this pack they got on the support side nine million five hundred sixty two thousand dollars. The opposition side four hundred and twenty six thousand dollars. Well, you know, you know why that is, right? Tell me. Because legitimately, anybody that is a registered and you know a registered voter, a smart and like you know um, contributing person to this society should be reading the bills. Yeah. Nobody should well, be just going by what Let It Rip says or CNN or what Whitmer is saying that it says, even what Tudor is saying that it says. Nobody yeah. should be going by that. People should be legitimate, should have access to the bills themselves. No, there's no doing. bipartisan yeah. anything. Yeah. No, no, so that's what I'm doing. And right here, I've got the donors, you know, like those ones are read to you, like uh, the ACLU. They donated over $3 million to this. Uh, Planned because Parenthood, 383000 You have a Planned Parenthood Action Fund, $500,000. ACLU of Michigan, over $2 million to this. And you know where so much of it is going? I found four different websites. Democrat. Under, to Democrat. No, yeah, well, yes, and, but it's under a huge and gigantic disinformation campaign. You've even got legitimate complaints that are being filed with the attorney general because you've got Democratic candidates who are creating and maintaining websites that look like legitimate government sources. So when even I looked at Michigan Proposal 3, even at any point, Google it. Look at Google, look at Yahoo, look at DuckDuckGo, look at your search engine results, and then actually look at the name of the actual, like who it is. For the love of all that is holy. It's a mess. It's all a big Democratic campaign of of flooding it with bad information. Yep, and I don't like to call them Democratic. They're Democrat. Um, (laughs) Democratic is a process. Democrat is a dirty, filthy communist. Anyway, I'm using Brave. That's where I use my Brave browser, and I'm on uh, Ballotpedia. And if you go there on Ballotpedia, uh, it gets deep, and it tells you all kinds of stuff. It goes back to the Acts of Leon. Act 328 from 1931. It goes back deep, and it tells you the history about all this stuff. Um, so if you guys want to look for your own states and whatever, you can pick your own states, but I'm just into the Michigan one. And, you know, I've been uh, researching all this stuff for months. Uh, months now, down I yeah. I've not looked it up yet, but I was told this earlier, so it was like on my fat check thing to do. But my mm-hmm. con- what I was what the claim was is that there was no previous sterilization component in any previous Michigan bill until this one. Well, I didn't check it. I didn't Google it. Okay. 
Well, if you want to jump on here, you can you can find it. There's so much information on these um, campaign finance stuff. Everything's there. What is issue two in Michigan? That is the one. Let me go back. I had that pulled up. We were talking about that earlier, I believe. That's uh, making changes uh, to voting policies. Uh, again, another constitutional amendment. Um, it's, uh, let me see. Uh, Which allowed yes. for the privatization and the ballot boxes, even though they've already been deemed unconstitutional. It was her way of trying to slam that in. Yes. And it creates a nine-day early voting period, which we were talking about earlier, Sean. Um, yeah. It's, uh, what the, the way they're going to get people on this is because it says requiring military overseas ballots postmarked by election date are counted. We've always had that. Military overseas have always been able to vote. That's never been an issue, you guys, right? But they like to use these kind of things to hook you in. Because who's going to look at that and say, oh, military gets to vote? You know, most people aren't going to read these things fully. But if you keep going down, you find out. Look at this. It creates a nine-day early voting period. What are we doing that for? Why does that constitutional amendment need to happen? Well, probably because you're going to try to vote, uh, uh, you know, do it makes uh, election fraud easier, right? Yeah. It's just you know, never-ending with this stuff, you guys. It's never-ending. It, so that's it why is, I, that I'm was just like that thing I sent you earlier, Jesse, because I was like, and then I was... Um, as I was talking to Em, we were doing a little research behind it. So the Secretary of State, hopefully gets voted out here in a couple of weeks, she ended up putting out some nonsensical thing because now all of a sudden today, for some reason, there's 770,000 mail-in ballots that have been returned, which yep. was bizarre to me. Right. And I'm going, OK, well, what's our total voter registration? So I just wanted to see for shits and giggles. And 8.2 million. You're telling me almost 10%? Yeah. Yes. And not all those people are going to vote either. You know, those 10, uh, those, what did you say, 8 million or 10 million? 8.2 million. Yeah. So not, not, you know, about half of those people are going to vote, right? So they're, you know, they're going to be down to about 4 million from there. So that, that takes that percentage even up farther. They know how to work these percentages. They, they know. You know, down to the county, which county they need, you know, to, to win this stuff. Look at 2020. They needed those six counties. That's all they needed to get those six county electoral votes. And they were Which able to super, tangle, do numbers and do their math and, and, and pull it off. So every time you, you try to look at any voter registration statistic in the state of Michigan, you're always going to get that alert. There's a notification. There's some type of recount or or redistricting, or now it's like the election is coming up, so, you know, blah, 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 blah. So there's always a reason for the website to present in a weird capacity, whatever. But the funny thing is, is when I decided to look and figure it out, okay, like Michigan has 8.2 million registered voters today. She came out and said 770,000 were returned. But this is so interesting. Inactive voter registrations that are slated for cancellation in 2023 100,000. But imagine how many are slated to be removed in 2025. So after the 2024 election. Mm -hmm. 443,000. Okay. Okay, so that that story you're talking about right there, I found Uh the text that you sent and I'm pulling it up on the computer right now. Um, 
But Sean, going back to what you're talking about, that uh, uh, proposal two over here, right? It's going to require the state funding of a number of absentee ballot drop boxes too. Which, so, but yeah, they don't. I mean, has that they, already been deemed unconstitutional, like all over the place? Like, yes, they don't Benson, even care. They don't even care. But Benson, it was ruled against her. She violated the law last year. Nothing happened. Nothing. Zolchanada. Yeah, so that, that now I'm back to that story that you talked about. It says two weeks from uh, Michigan's November 8th election, more than 770,000 mail-in ballots have already been returned by voters. <laughs> How'd that happen? Um, <laughs> the Secretary of State already have an absentee ballot should and deliver it as soon as possible to the clerk's office or ballot drop box to avoid postal delays. Now, see, what this tactic does is you get them in early, they can count them all up and hold them. Then they wait to see how many uh, votes they're going to need in order to win this. Then they'll slowly pull out these things, you know. They, they, they can do that over a long period of time. So I signed a one-day event. A one-day right, event, so guys. I signed up to be a poll challenger, so mm -hmm. that's really interesting. But they can only open and start counting the ballots three days before. Starting so it's Saturday, I think it's Saturday morning. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday's mm -hmm. election. All right. That's my understanding. But here's the weird thing. How do they know there's seven hundred to seventy thousand? Because they're already printed and done. How'd that happen? <laughs> yeah. The world is a crazy place. Yeah. They're there's they're in a box under a table. Yeah, exactly. They're waiting for a, a pipe to break so they can send the Republicans <laughs> home so they can recount. <laughs> That's right. Or, uh, or like they did at Cobo Hall, they put the, you know, take all the Republicans out and put boxes. tape up on them. Yeah, put, put the pizza boxes up on the window so you guys can't see us counting all this bullshit. Oh, I'm so sick of this, you guys. What's issue one in Michigan? Let me go back what to is it. issue number one is, um, is proposal one changes the term limits. Uh, requirement for state legislatures uh, and financial disclosure requirements for state executive and legislative officials. Now, this one really ticks me off. Um, it's very doing, misleading. Yeah. Because it says, where it really changes change. one, it extends it, another and makes it almost, it, it paves the way for any career politician. I'm sorry, Jesse. That just turns my butt. Sorry. It does. So so the, the, here's the funny thing. and When you read it on the ballot, it says, we're going to you know change the term limits on on these uh, appointments here, or on these uh, seats, right? Well, here you go. It says the, uh, this is what the yes vote does. It changes the term limits for state legislatures from three two-year terms, which is six, um, and the state and has two four-year terms, which is eight, obviously, so you get 14 there in the state Senate uh, to 12 combined years in the legislature. Okay, now you scroll down and, and you start reading and figure out what they're doing is allowing uh, let me see where it's at. You're allowing, they can be combined so that one person stays and stays in for the, all those years. It's so it says yet, yeah, it's, it's, um, it says yet another effort by the political, oh, sorry, political class composed of the elites, both political parties and special interests, especially big business and labor to extend their perceived right rule over us. Um, this proposal is Lan uh, Lansing 
of the Lansing Beltway by the Lansing, Lansing Beltway and so the Lansing Beltway will expose it for what it's for and soundly be rejected by uh, Michigan uh, citizens of Michigan. Sorry. Um, I'm going back up. It will, it will uh, create a long-term. So basically one person can be in there for longer than they can be now. Okay, now, you know what that does. We don't, you know, we see what Nancy Pelosi and all these lifers do, you know. They've, they've been here forever changing things, right? Holding things down. Uh, that's what it's this is It's exactly do. what the citizens don't want. But the right. problem is, is the, the horrible way that it is being presented and the way that it is worded, it is so difficult to understand. But at the end of the day, it actually, doesn't it, it at least doubles the original term. It it literally paves the yes, way for from, any career politician. From six to twelve. Yeah. What a nightmare. Yeah, from six to twelve years. Incredible. It, it, it it's crazy. Well, it has been term for state wrestling centers with twelve year total limit in the combination between house except uh person the Senate and twenty twenty two may be elected a number of times when that person became candidate. So yeah, they're just uh, without telling you, they're putting in term, li- uh, you know, extending the term limit. That's, <laughs> that's completely against what we want, against our interests. Now you have you have lo- right. you have local representative races too, and of course, there's no gubernatorial race taking place, right? No, we have it all. <laughs> everything, everything this year. Yeah. So yeah. our uh, Gretchen Whitmer, um, go. our secretary. Yeah, our Secretary of State is Jocelyn Benson and our Attorney General is Dana Nessel. Now, those three, if you remember back in 2018, they came out of the whole Soros-connected, funded uh, history there. And I was uh, so hard, Sean and, and, and Sandy, I was trying to get people to vote against these people. Maybe maybe they did, maybe they didn't. I don't, I don't know what happened there, there but um, all three made it in. Um, all three of these women, these Soros bitches that we, sorry, that's what we, yeah, I nobody knew their names because they're destroying, they're destroying our, our liberty here in, in Michigan. Um, nobody knew I their names what, until COVID. The only, oh, yeah, the only, yeah, the only people that would, and that's not a bad thing either, because again, they were thrust into the limelight where they probably didn't want to be in the first place. And, uh, you know, now we've seen their true colors and everybody there has seen their true colors. I can't for the life of me believe that anybody would vote for Gretchen Whitmer because all they have to do is get in their time machine and hit two years ago. And everything yeah, that she did there. You know what, though? What, what I have never heard of so much until this election cycle is the amount of Republican and conservative supported like campaign flag signs that have been vandalized i i yeah. have heard it firsthand from so many people it's been absolute insanity i mean i see them replaced over and over again they're not going to be deterred it's not going to stop them from voting but it's just it's so blatant and so gross do you want me to give you a few of the uh, donors of this um this first uh, initiative this first uh, proposal and it's not going to surprise you at all when you hear these names. Uh, so some of the top donors to this committee, DTE, DTE Energy, 75 grand. Rock Holdings, 
75 grand. Michigan Energy First, uh, 50 grand. Realtors Pack, two, another 50 grand. Um, it, it's just, they're funded by all these, like PTE, that's energy stuff. That's, uh, there's, there's so much lobbying that happens with every single one of those so, that you just said. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at these, uh, these donors uh, of this change here, and they're not, um, you know, they're not beholden to us, right? The citizens, they're beholden to some political affiliation, which is not good at all. We don't want any of this stuff. And again, I, I guarantee you, these, some of these things are going to get passed and they're going to change our constitution. And in a couple of years, people are going to look around and say, well, how'd this happen? Because, you know, most Normans just have a, uh, a memory span of a, a butterfly, you know, about six seconds, and they forget everything. Oh, who won the game? That, that's what they're concerned about. Well, we just had this conversation the other day, and it was actually very funny. But, you know, every time my, I would say something, and I might have some very strong political views, you know, my dad's always like, well, get involved, get involved, do something about it, do something about it, blah, blah, blah. So here comes hunting season. And up here in the great state of Michigan, um, our DNR has made a huge modification to the deer licensing from years past. And so they are now requiring that any deer, um, as it is killed during hunting season, whether it's bow, gun, whatever, it doesn't matter, they have got to be registered online within 72 hours. And so initially it was like, okay, well, whatever, like, how are they going to? you know, monitor this, police this, whatever. And then I was at the meat market one day. They do deer processing processing out here in Hull. Do you know that that from the time that hunting season had started to the day I was in there, it had been like three days had passed. So it was like a weekend or whatever. And um, they had already been visited by the DNR three times to enforce that every single deer that was tagged and in for processing had been registered online. Yep. I'm one of those deer hunters <laughs> and my daughter and, and, and our deer hunting crew. Um, it's How did that even get through? Let, let me ask you both, uh, again, just sort of broad political election thoughts as to what you think is going to happen, what different scenarios are likely to occur. There's a lot of theories out there, more so I think this time around than back in 2020. Um, you know, with 2020, there was the theory that bounced around, which of course turned out to be a hundred percent true. A number of people were saying it, even Donald Trump said it, the media is just going to steal it. They're going to steal it. Um, you know, we're hearing the same things, but we're also hearing now that with space force and with, uh, the NSA and a lot of other agencies here that they're all watching what's going on. And so if there is voter fraud, then they will sweep in and God willing, collect all the fraudsters as quickly as possible. Um, and then there's of course the theory of, let me see if I can get this, that Republicans are going to win across the board in many States uh, and certainly across the country. But then the left is going to scream bloody murder, that there was massive voter fraud, and that we don't have safe and secure elections because we don't have drop boxes and we don't have this and we don't have that. So 
And there's 12 other theories on top of those. But uh, how do you see this shaking out? Jess, you want to go first? <laughs> Doesn't matter to me. If you want to, you do it. You know, I've... <laughs> And what's the, let, let me just ask you this too, real quick. I mean, what is the pulse of the people who are around you where you live? I mean, what are they saying? And, and how does that tie in with uh, the frame of mind of, of what people think is going to happen? Well, I, I can tell you. Go ahead. <laughs> sorry. Um, I look at yard signs um, because that's the easiest, most normal way to, to kind of gauge what people are looking or thinking about, right? Um, basically, so many people do not do their homework when it comes to uh, elections, you know, and especially with these ones that are local. These are the most important elections there are. We shouldn't even be worrying about who's in the presidency. You know, that, that's something totally different. Uh, you can control locally what, what you can, uh, you know, get in the, in, the, in the place to where you work. That's where it's all about. That's what it, it, it is. A, this is a top-down system. Or, or top top to up system right um we are the people we the people are the government if you can control your local government that gives you a long strong standing in, in a way to protect yourself against federal government now around here the yard signs are strong and everything to me that i see is pointing i'll say nine nine to one eight to two republican okay so uh, I saw the same thing in 2016. The, 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 the Trump signs against Hillary signs were so strong, okay? Um, in, in 2020, same thing again. I barely saw any Biden sign. Uh, it was so strong, Trump signs everywhere. I'm seeing the same thing again. Um, they do have, like you're saying, Sean, everything is being watched, right? That's what we're hearing, um, including these ballot boxes. Now, you see the left is getting really upset and agitated that people are watching these boxes now that's a scary line that they're they're kind of you know if there's somebody's watching it you know that you can't do voter intimidation all this kind of thing thing so um i don't know how that's all going to shake out but i'm sure it will um if you take cheating away from the left what do they have to win because their policies nobody wants it that's some crazy communist stuff on the left all right people care more about inflation and buying food in, in, in their, their kids' school. They don't care about, the, you know, this goofball that just visited the, uh, the White House. People aren't caring about that stuff. They want real things. We're sick of J6. We're sick of this whole Ukraine nonsense. People want cheap fuel, cheap fuel, uh, food, right? They want normalcy in their lives, not this nonsense that they're getting from the communist left. Um, maybe I forgot some things here, but Sandy, I, I know you have a lot to add. So I'm, I'm coming at it from a couple of different avenues. One, as I look at the Supreme Court, I look at their docket, I look and see what they've read, what they're getting ready to rule on, et cetera. You've got, you know, the New York Supreme Court is coming down saying, absolutely not, there's no mail-in ballots. Uh-uh, nope. And now you've got, you know, the vaccine, um, you know, return serve that happened this afternoon where, <clears throat> you know, all New York employees that were fired for the vaccine mandate are reinstated, back pay. It's going to cost them a pretty penny. But going on what Jesse said, <clears throat> you know, after COVID, you know, people just feel so alone. You know, you're just not sure what the next person, you know, what they're doing, what they're feeling, you know, 
you get to the point of you want to say something out loud or do you not. And then um, about a month ago, um, I volunteered for the Trump rally. And, you know, the level of solidification, um, vindication, um, patronage, just God-fearing, amazing, wonderful, authentic people that legitimately all believe the same thing. When you see people like that come out in masses, you know, you see what happens on Sunday. You know, you've got a Trump rally that's going on. And at 9 p.m., you've got the J6ers who have been standing up at 9 p.m. every single night singing the Star Spangled Banner. They started singing in the middle of Trump's speech. He stopped. He waited the entire stadium. They all stood up and sang it. It was so patriotic. It was so lovely. At the end of the day, that's the... Yeah, and at the end of the day, that's the American dream. That's what's going to unite all of us. You've got mass protests going on down here, They're, you know, going on up here. They're not by Christians. These are by Muslims who do not want this indoctrination in their schools. They don't want these over-sexualized materials. What unites everybody? The children. Where did the grassroots start? The school boards. People are paying attention to the lower races. I think we're going to, I think they're going to see a red wave like they've never, ever expected, because we're putting our kids first. That's my I hope you're right on that. I hope you're right on that. And, um, you know, to add a little bit on what you you brought up there, too, these rallies that Trump is having, the dude, he's not even running for president right now. All he's doing is batting, what, 95% on, 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 uh, you know, putting, uh, endorsing people, right? Um, these rallies are enormous. I mean, they're getting larger crowds than go back to 2016. Remember, he was packing stadiums and, and music, music, uh, you know, concerts, stages, and everything. It's just like that again. He's not even running. So you can see where the pulse is of the people. Uh, well, there's, there's and the thing is, too, is look how quick yeah. they're coming on. I mean, Very sometimes fast. he's yeah. announcing a rally and he's he's in town within 72 hours and he's. Yeah filling stadiums it's absolute insanity and these you know it's just it's crazy i don't know i people are so starved for the truth right now and you look towards the white house you look towards the biden administration all you get is lies lies and deceit and people are seeing it every single moment of every day just you know even if you watch the same news source they can't even cover for it any longer yeah in that in that um i'm just looking at it right now i'm playing it um, where the, the the people just they were talking about the one in Texas the other day when they just stood up and started talking, they interrupted him. Yeah. Yes, that's, so yeah, that started. You know, yeah. those are J6ers, right? Yes. Yeah. Those are J6ers. The J6ers, no matter where they are at any point in time at 9 p.m. every single night, it started about a month ago. They stop wherever they are and they sing the Star Spangled Banner. This one happened just, just to happen at a Trump rally. The rest of the crowd knew what was going on and stood in solidarity with in support of the J-Sixers. That's what yes. the whole thing was about. And that just made it so much even more beautiful than it was to start. Sean, did you see that? I did. Yeah. yeah, I'm just watching it right here again. I got the audio off, but it's just so, so amazing to see. And the amount of people here, again, your eyes don't lie. You know, this is just like the yard sign. Like I said, I see so many yard signs promoting uh, the people, you know, the, the, the ones that I want to, to win anyway. Okay. I don't see many of the leftist signs around here. 
Uh, maybe that's because where I live out here more in, in, in rural area. So, you know, suburban rural area. But um, we don't want we don't play that stuff out here, you know. I was in Birmingham the other day and there was a lady and she was putting out this big, ginormous Christina Caramo sign um, who's oh, running nice. for secretary of state. She's such an impressive young lady. And uh, so, you know, I gave her a honk and a thumbs up and she did the happiest freaking dance with two thumbs up. She, the woman just could not have been more proud of her sign. It was so adorable. Yeah. But that is something that you normally wouldn't see in Birmingham. Usually Birmingham does not allow political signage. So I was a little surprised by the presence. Yeah. Birmingham, uh, Sean, is probably the, uh, I would say the top one or two towns in the state that are probably the most, uh, what's the right word? Uh, per capita, uh, uh, highest yeah, income. Wealthiest, yeah, uh, in the country. I mean, it, it's, it's that, it's that kind of status in that, in that town that she's talking about. And you, you're right. You don't see that kind of conservative type of stuff there. Um, but you are now. So, yeah, I'm hopeful, but I, I just, there's always something in the back of my mind here where I know these dirty, dirty leftists who are behind the scenes that are funding these people are always up to something. They're always, they're never out in front showing you what they will, you know, uh, honestly offer, but they're always looking for ways to get their people in no matter what it takes, how dirty it is to get them in. So, I don't know if that kind of answers your question or not, Sean, but uh, that's, it's more of a feeling that I have, you know, and what I'm seeing on the road, on the street. Amazingly enough, while we've been on the phone, um, you know, Gretchen Whitmer, um, as, as we, I, I, I don't know, she usually commands an office, an audience very well. And um, a couple of weeks ago, she got schooled by Tudor Dixon in the debate. And oh, yeah. um, headline on Fox News right now, laughing so hard, um, Gretchen Whitmer was defending her coronavirus lockdowns, stating that the kids were only out of school for three months. Uh, <laughs> she, she dug her own hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She just dug her own. Remember, so, see, we, there, we don't have to do much. She does it for us. Yeah. And, the, you know, what they're really freaking out about, too, is the, the black voters and the Latin, you know, Hispanic voters. They're really freaking out about that because, you know, forever and ever, that was their base. But their base is waking up. Their base is, uh, they're not seeing it anymore. They're not having it anymore. And, and the left is panicking over that. They know they've been lied to and put on a plantation. Um, you know, that's what that's what you hear uh a lot of black people talk about they're sick of it they're sick of being put on this plantation they want to be out and they want to be free and there's a way to do it there's a way to do it so well, i'm all I think for that, it i think there's just so many things out there so many pressing issues on a daily basis that are waking people up in so many different ways you know and i think that going forward there's just going to be more and more information that comes out and, you know, wakes people up and, and gives them a, a dose of reality. And, you know, I, I don't know if that we all use, you know, is we, we all need to demonstrate a whole lot more kindness because we've been seeing this stuff for many years. So, you know, and my parents still, would, you know, when I send them something, will be like, this isn't real, is it? Mm -hmm. And they're like, like, yeah, you know. Well, and, yeah. There's a, uh, I'm sorry, Tanny, did you finish that? 
Yeah, go right ahead. This, I'm looking right now. There's a political, uh, you know, which I don't, I don't watch them at all, but I saw it pop up um, with this headline, and it's from today, the 25th. Says Democrats growing anxious again over black turnout. Says Democrat strategists worry the party isn't doing enough to motiv- motivate black voters. Well, you know why? It's because they're waking up to your nonsense. They're sick of it, right? Yeah. Well, they, they, they you don't know, want that anymore. And I think I think a lot yeah. of their money has been cut off. I think a lot of their outside money is getting cut off. Oh well, Black Lives Matter, yeah, for sure. That, yeah. that really well, rubbed a lot of people. They don't they don't have Twitter. They don't have a platform like that to control the information flow. You know, mm. e- today Elon Musk just threw a huge knife right at him because nobody ever anticipated that he would have a total takeover of Twitter before the midterms. Yeah, and it's supposed to be, what, Friday, right? Yeah, finalized the 28th. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. Yeah, it's not an accident. I think this is, I think a lot of this is coordinated. Uh, You know, I'm certainly going to vote. I know you two are also. A lot of people are certainly going to vote. I think registration everywhere is, is up. I think a lot of the registration that's up is conservative registration, which is great. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, the proof has got to be in the pudding kind of thing. You know, the test of yeah. time is going to be what matters. And I think what's going to happen on election day, election night, the next day, I think it's going to get real weird. Well, I do too. And tonight, uh, actually, it's going on right now, the Oz and Fetterman debate. So, you know, the media is doing every day, everything they can to patch over any, everything Fetterman says, right? You know, now, I'm not a huge fan of Oz, but <laughs> I really don't want anything to do with Fetterman and that whole agenda there, you know, in Pennsylvania. So I'm hoping those Pennsylvania voters, you know, actually do the right thing and actually see it and, and not listen to what the media magicians are saying. You know, Fetterman is no good and he's not, you know, uh, look, just, you guys both know how I'm feeling, right? I, I say it all the time, especially in my show last night. Um, we got a long way to go, you guys. Um, if we lose stuff right now, boy, it's going to hurt. It's going to really hurt if we lose a lot of seats. Um, you know, I don't want to get overly happy or excited about this stuff um, because I just, I, I, I just sit back here and I, and I watch everything come down. So I'm excited. For you it. know, uh, yeah. So, and so like days like today, things like mm-hmm. things happen today that give me an absolute, you know, not that I do not already have a, a solid appreciation for the, the cast that both of you guys do because I absolutely do. But what actually gives it like even more credence is like something that like we witnessed today firsthand. And it was the craziest, like most ridiculous manipulation by omission I've ever seen by local media. And so on I-75 right here in Michigan in Oakland County was, is a major thoroughfare. And a gentleman literally jumped off of the overpass and onto, you know, 80 mile per hour coming traffic, it was witnessed by several different people. The freeway was closed and the absolute positive insane thing about it, not one media source, not one traffic alert, not one interview, phone, nothing. The only thing so far that has even come out about it is one person got a a screenshot from the live traffic cam as it was going on. 
This happened at almost 11 o'clock this morning. The most nonsensical articles under the sun have been published. Nothing about this. If the media can control and remove an accident from existence by just not reporting it, you guys, your job is so much more appreciated and adored and respected by all of us. So I just wanted to bring that point. Yeah, and you know what is you know you texted us the the group earlier about that, and what's crazy yeah. about that? I took my wife down to the uh, airport this morning, you know, the, the Detroit Metro, and we drove right through that just a few hours before that happened. Wow. Um, and again, I'm not, I'm not hearing anything. I'm searching right now. I'm trying to look for it, you know, right now. And, uh, well, I don't a, see mutual, a mutual friend of ours, actually two mutual friends of ours, um, witnessed the accident. And the craziest mm -hmm. part was, is I actually reached out to one of them on Facebook. And you know what his response was to me on it? Mm -hmm. He goes, crazier yet, covered overpass with one door that opens directly onto 75. Um, I'm trying to think. I can't even make sense of that. It is. It's the pedestrian one. Oh my gosh! That one. We had to climb up over the top. Yes. He, Sean, no, do you know what she's talking was, about? No. He was in it. There's a door that opens that allows you literally access to 75. He opened mm. the door and jumped. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. Even as you heard me say the other day, on on Monday's show, you know, people have had it as far as taxes and loss of jobs and a number of other yeah. things. They, you know, you start interviewing family members of this individual if this individual had family members. And you start even taking one small dive into anything that this individual was a part of. Maybe they just lost their job. Maybe they're, you know, they're homeless now and they don't have the money. Uh, this is happening all over the United States, and this is the state of affairs. The more taxes go up, the suicide rate increases. The more that uh, joblessness goes up, the suicide rate increases. You know, if the media starts well, asking those questions, that's big trouble for them. But then to, all, but to piggyback it on, like, news like today, where the New York Supreme Court, you know, kind of, like, squashes down you know, what's happened in the past with people being fired and stuff from the vaccine requirements. That has got to be sending the craziest, like, ripple effects, especially across some of these, you know, healthcare providers and healthcare givers that legitimately did get fired for this, and they've really fallen on horrible times. And this is throughout the United States. And on top of it, any institution that Biden said if they wanted to do business with the government had to have it done. But now that you're seeing this, I can't even imagine the, the dining room chatter that started tonight by going, wait a minute, yep. what was this all for? Exactly, exactly. That's why I think it's controlled. I think a lot of this is controlled by white hats. I really do believe that. I, I personally think Trump is still the president. I think he signed the Insurrection Act a while, a while ago, last year, of course, um, mm -hmm. on January 6th, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Which makes him, or it makes the military pres, uh, the president, I believe, and then he gets to sit back, have his giant rallies, show people that he's basically still in charge, and 
you know, don't worry, he's coming back and this, that, or the other, or at least the military is going to come back because that Supreme Court ruling today is political, is just more political kryptonite against, yep. against the left. And in yep. no way would a decision like that be allowed to come down this close to an election that's going to, like you just said, Sandy, just piss off so many people and start so many conversations about the betrayal and the lying and the, you know, the job loss and the coercion and all of it. it uh, it's, it's too coincidental. Well, and if you look to, there has been so much activity like Twitter activity, like the White House all of a sudden, you know, is like this, you know, nonstop posting and and the Biden account nonstop posting. And it has been absolutely crazy because there's not one supporter, not one. And it's some of the things that come back and forth and the facts and, and the mistruths and the stuff, it just can't even be controlled anymore. And so the narrative is, is, is shining through and I believe you hook, line and sinker. And I just, you look at just, just even since Friday, you know, the, the television interview, you know, the, the clips, the stuff that's come out of Biden and you go, people are questioning his sanity. You've got, you know, Putin and you've got, you know, other leaders making fun of him, the world stage. And it's like, what are they setting up for? Yeah. Yep. I think everybody can see it too. You know, uh, one thing that still worries me though is that these Dominion voting machines, because they're they're going to swoop in there and be ready and to you know make up the numbers, do that whole fractional counting stuff. Uh, how many of those are still out there that are still going to be working? You know, are, are Democrats even worried because they know they have the Dominion voting machines and they have the media to cover it all up? So. Uh, I, I really don't know, man. Um, we're going to put it in God's hands, but we got to get out there and do the work. I'm encouraging everybody through my show and everybody that I know um, to, to get out there and do it. And I also have, which I do every election cycle, is I have a little voter guide that I work, uh, you know, I send to people if they want it. You know, so it's just to at least help because I know that I've done the research on it and I know most people don't do the research. Um, I'm just hoping that it filters out. People share it around, and and you know, in my little way, my little corner of the world, I hope that I can make that little bit of a change, and they can trust me on who I'm picking as my candidate. And well, you um, know, what's important locally? And just, absolutely, and I think putting that out there, Jesse, is so important. But I think talking about it is when you talk to to different people, you know, having that conversation is like I had a. a one of those polls, you know, they actually call you to interview you on current states. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yes, like, seriously, interview me, interview me, you know. <laughs> so we yeah. had this great conversation. And so, you know, with our questions, I would kind of like, you know, I would give my response, but then I would also like state my case why. At the end of the day, she listed off, I think, like 26 items that she could not wait to get off of work to go and research because I had given her so many things. So like, and she's like, I did not know that. Oh my God. She goes, and I'm never going to be able to say Slotkin again. And I'm like, I know it's Slotkin. So like, I totally ruined her, <laughs> but it was absolutely fabulous. But at the end of the day, she thanked me for it. She's like, you know, I do these questions because it's my job. She goes, but nobody's ever actually explained to me why they answered the questions the way that they did. 
she goes, and now I have like all this research to do. And I'm like, oh girl, have fun. Like, it's just the best thing in the world to feel empowered. But like, don't limit your sources. Like look at everything. That's awesome. That's awesome. Shane. I'm glad you did that. You did some red pilling, you know, and you know, when I look at this, this stuff here, it's like, you know, all the ones we seem to have an office here in Michigan right now, they're not representatives of the people. What they are, they're agents put in place by some deep state operative, okay? We didn't vote them in there. They were they were pushed into that seat. Now, this is our chance to actually get some grassroots um, representatives of the we the people back in these offices. Somebody who wants to protect our liberties, you know, our God-given liberties and freedoms right here in Michigan. And not hit us down with, you know, mandates from some other faraway land, you know, like, like what Whitmer has been trying to do uh, the last couple of years during that whole scamdemic, right? So it's like if, if she wins, if she wins again, look out this winter here in Michigan because I think she's going she's gonna to be told to, to come down hard on us here. So uh, that's, that's, that's one thing that really is bothering me. And even if she loses, even if she loses, she doesn't get sworn in until January, right? Yeah, I think January 18th or something like that, maybe 24th, something like that. See, if she loses, there's nothing saying she doesn't have some tricks up her sleeve for November and December. Yeah, and the funny thing is, just like Biden, it's like they're not the ones running this, right? They're getting scripts from somewhere else, from from this other crew that nobody knows. I mean, we, we have some names in our head that roll around, but... That's the problem. They're not listening to us here, the we the people, the voters. They're listening and taking orders from somebody else over there and imposing this stuff on them. Can't do that. And 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 yes, I think that that is still a big part of it. But I do have to say that patriots, legitimately, and there's so many others that have. We're all so much more in tune and awake than we were when we were, you know, in 2018, 2019, yeah. 2020. You've got people that have just come out of the woodwork. They've come out of the houses. They've come out of their offices. And they're running for school boards. People are uniting under, you know, legitimate things and items that, you know, protect our children, protect our, you know, it, that's where we're at. And so I think, honestly, I think the left just made such a grave error by going after our children never expecting that it would unite us in such a, a massive way. And I think once yeah. they did it and they started the wave, they couldn't control it. And this is where we're at today. Yeah, good point. I totally agree about that. And and we see it. And we have a couple nice, uh, good school board members, you know, here in, in, in my part of town that are running. So hopefully they can knock off a few of these uh, leftists that, that are on the board and get some, get some real conservative uh you know, brains in there to help out these kids in these schools. So, but, you know, Sean, you're the expert in all the school stuff. So I just hope we're able to bring enough uh, information and insight, and, you know, and, and, and get, get people thinking about some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, again, I'll, we're only two weeks away. No doubt. I mean, I'll, I'll wrap up by saying this, like we were talking about pretty much throughout the entire episode here that, um, People have got to do their homework on their ballots, look up their ballots, look into these individuals and and who they are and what they represent, who's backing them, if you can find that information. And then same thing with the issues, the issues that are on the ballots. Make sure to do whatever you can do to read through the double talk because they're purposely making them confusing. Uh, 
You think of a, a yes vote is exactly what you need to do when maybe the no vote is the way it has to go. But people need to look into those with a fine tooth comb, basically, and, and go over them as best they can. And I would take it a step further and I would say, make sure that you take pictures with your cell phone of your ballot as you have already filled it out. That way, when you when you show up to actually vote, you can just look at your phone and, and you know, there's no question you're not having to reread every single thing, although you should, but um, you've definitely got sort of a backup there that allows you to uh, double check what it is that you really want to vote for. And then if you can too, make sure and take pictures of the receipt, depending on the voting machine that gets used. Unfortunately, here we use Dominion voting machines in the county where I am. So on the right-hand side, on the lower end of the machine, you can see the entire receipt and the people you're voting for. And then at the end, it shows you a QR code. You got to take a picture of that QR code because that's proof that you voted. If you don't take a photograph of that, then you you don't have proof you voted. You're putting all of your your trust into government and local government into handling your vote, and I don't trust them. So I am going to get that out to as many people as I possibly can because I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, I did it the last um, time in 2020, and it was Ron Watkins who ran for Congress out in Arizona, and he, you know, he was a part of a lot of the voter machine. Uh, Voter machine fraud and uncovering a lot of that fraud, and he was asking people to send send him their QR codes so that he could check and make sure that people were voting. And then he explained how people could do it and whatever else. So, you know, take video at these polling places if you can on the you know from the outside. There are some apps that you can download that will detect Bluetooth devices on your phone. So again, we know that these voting machines are hooked up to Bluetooth. Uh, take screenshots of that. You know, there's some evidence gathering that has to take place throughout all of this, but definitely make sure and take a photo of the receipt of your electronic voting if you're voting on a machine. And yeah, again, that's good advice. Yeah, and and I'm good not going to say you know I'm not going to say don't vote. Do or I'm I'm not going to suggest do or don't vote on a paper ballot because unfortunately they're running the paper ballots through the same kinds of fraudulent machines. And I know that is different everywhere, but that's, you know, that's something to pay attention to, I think, going forward also. Yeah, we run ours on paper here, uh, you know, fill in the square with a pen and then you run over that machine and shove it in there. Gotcha. Um, you know, I can give uh, a little bit of advice if you guys want to look at Ballotpedia.org. Uh, again, Ballotpedia.org. I've been, you know, looking at this for a little bit here and it seems to, to be pretty pretty deep you know it shows you a lot of stuff who's the donors on this stuff who's actually backing these the sponsors and everything so um that might help you guys in your research um yeah i'll link I've that in the description yeah yeah okay and also the, the, the one way that the, the best way that i like to research is i'll go name by name right and i'll go right to their social media and there are key words that people say you know if they're saying leftist stuff you know like uh inclusive diversity uh, equity all those kind of words that's not that's not working for me so i, I just cross them off i'm not voting for that person um i'm talking about for the people that you don't know on these names you know i'm on ours there's a bunch of them there we have school regents uh we have uh, university uh staff and everything so that's how i went through and i checked them all out individually and i went to directly to their um to, to their multiple social medias and to their campaign website. And I started reading through 
and reading through. And, you know, when I get those red flags, I know that not, you know, I'm talking mostly on these bipartisan or nonpartisan uh, candidates. Um, that's a funny word, nonpartisan, because you know they're all partisan, right? Yeah. But they're just falling yeah. underneath that partisan thing. So you have to kind of look at their wording. Um, and that's what I did. And that's how I can find out and pick out. For me, I want to pick out the conservative one. So I go out there and I, I find out what they're saying, what they're backing. And if you dig deep enough, you can find out what um, organizations and associations they belong to. And, uh, you know, there was one in particular that was really hard. It took me oh, six deep pages and, and just a few days to figure out what is she actually standing for. And I actually found it. And, and um, you know, it's nothing that I want to vote for. So I, I chose this other guy instead. So. Uh, it takes time. You, you can't just sit here and, and let other people do it. you got to do it yourself. This is what this government was made for, for the people, by the people. So start acting like it, you guys. Come on. I know most Absolutely. of everybody, I know everybody in, you know, Sean's, Sean's show and your audience and my audience. This is a no-brainer. We already know this stuff, but we got to spread this and help have our audience also spread how to do this stuff. So, you know, we have two weeks left, people. Come on. I'm tempted. I'm going to uh, move them butt. I want somebody's butt. I want it now. I got it. Oh, oh. God damn it. Pets twice. I want some butts. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless.